for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. This is Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I the devil ever pulled. Oh, of course, of course, as, as we notice, as it gets a little janky there with our intro, uh, as soon as I hit a button, for some reason, the intro wanted to start replaying. But <laughs> uh, fun times, as always, here with the uh, Technical Difficulties Cynics podcast. And yes, technical difficulties. <laughs> um, all right, let's get that out of the way so it doesn't start doing anything else on us. Was convincing. It's playing again. Uh, all right. Well, that's just fun times. It's a perfect Friday for us when we're recording this. Um, Technical difficulties podcast. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's that's the new name of the podcast or our second show. <laughs> that's our new show. Like obviously, my green screen is is leaking through a little bit because I've got this new monitor and I can't figure out the right setup for the lighting just yet. So, oh, just wonderful times. It's also been a wonderful week for me here as well. So, you know, it's actually nice to not think about anything work related. Um, but all right, let's just go ahead and get get past all the awkward, <laughs> awkward open there. Uh, welcome to the Critics Not Cynics podcast, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And as always, uh, I'm joined by Leslie. Leslie, how are you doing? Um, I think we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's about all we can hope for at this moment. It's been a week. It's been a year. I mean, like uh, this week felt uh, like you a mean year. so far. <laughs> well, and that too. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, you know, I've like I said, I've got this new monitor now, so I'm still getting used to that. My camera's now angled, so it's like it's really weird now having to look up at it rather than straight at it. Oh yeah, for me um, to like look straight into the camera. Right. So <laughs> it's 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 all so... kind of all kinds of crazy. Uh, this monitor ended up being bigger than I thought it would be. So, uh, but it should at least make me uh, with my camera and everything look a little bit nicer. So you know, everyone who want doesn't want to see me can now see me in 4K. <laughs> um, all right, so we are getting back to our MCU franchise review. Uh, no live stream, I think, happened this week as we've both been pretty busy and just finding time to, you know, we want to just relax a little bit. But the goal with the live Try. streams is to go weekly um, as much as possible, as schedules allow and as uh, just kind of mental exhaustion or mental health allows um so that's why we just figured well we'll go ahead we'll get a pre-record out for everyone and we'll get back to our franchise review 
and then get back to the live streams next week uh, just to give us a little bit of a, a break in between. And it's been a while. You know, we, we left off with Iron Man 3, and it's uh, it's been a bit. Um, been a minute. And uh, did we? Yeah, we did do Iron Man 3 on our YouTube. I think it was the first of the MCU franchise review that we did on YouTube. Uh, if you have not heard our other episodes, uh, you can go check back out on iTunes or all the other uh, audio-only versions um, of the podcast and uh yeah all future ones obviously going to be on here and we're going to you know archive them in a playlist but uh if if no one's been able to tell from my stammering and yammering here uh, thor dark world is a movie i i like to think about the least <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to the mcu franchise um not not because inherently it's a bad movie uh i think in fact um what shocks me the most about this one is the fact that the writers on this wrote infinity war and Endgame, And I sit there and I go, what the hell? Yeah. I think that if, if you can separate yourself from the movie, like, and put yourself in the, in like a writer's position, mm -hmm. when you're thinking about the plot of the movie and it, cause when I rewatched it, I, you know, when I was rewatching it, the first like part of it, I was thinking the whole thing with the convergence and like that Jane would find some sort of scientific, you know, gravitational anomaly and get sucked into it and stumble upon the ether. All of that works for me. Yeah. I'm like that, that all seems like a plausible, you know, we're writing this story that somehow is going to involve Thor. Everything kind of falls apart for me with mostly the Asgardian stuff and the dark elf thing. Yeah. Like, that's the weak spot of this story, I feel like. And and I hate offering the criticism without, like, having a suggestion for how I think it should be better. Because I feel like if you just stick with the Jane stumbled upon this thing, I don't know where you take it from there and still have the introduction of the ether. Because at that point, they're trying to connect, you know, from Avengers and saying, like, the, the Mind Stones, you know, in... Loki's scepter and stuff, and now here's the second one for people at the time. Could you know? Because of course now we've had Infinity War and Endgame, but at that time we're like, is that going to be like a stone? Like what's you know? And they're and they're planting the seeds for that. So I don't really know a suggestion for how to make the rest of it better. <laughs> and of course, the bright shining star of this movie is Tom Hiddleston. He makes it completely worth it. Even. Um, some of the re um, reactors that I've been watching, their reviews of it when they got to this point to Thor, most of them, pretty much most of them were like, so this is the second installment of Loki, <laughs> you know, because like <laughs> Thor was basically the Loki story. Right. And then this is like Loki part two. <laughs> well, and it does do some further character development for Loki. Uh, yeah. In, in the sense of his relationship with Frigga um, mm -hmm. and understanding how impactful that is on him as a character. And this is a, as I joked in our live stream uh, last week, this is the only MCU movie that takes its name, its title too literally. serious. Yeah. Very <laughs> literally. Cause the most jarring thing. And I remember this specifically, even when I went and saw it in the theaters was the tonal shift, not just in the, uh, the writing, but in the visuals. Yeah. Like Everything in the saturation <laughs> is muted. All the colors yeah. are muted. Even Loki's colors are muted. Uh, Asgard looks darker. Um, 
London is filmed in a darker tone or, or darker mm-hmm. light um, filter, yeah. and uh, ev- like the colors don't pop. Uh, the Bifrost doesn't look as fantastic, you know. And then when you get the Svartalheim, it's just a desolate wasteland. Um, yeah. You know, nothing. There's just for some reason they just were like, let's just remove all color. And <laughs> uh, I felt like in hindsight or even at the time i felt like it was trying to be a response uh, I, I will say like marvel got a little bit worried um after avengers and dc was like okay now we're going to try to do our cinematic universe uh and they came out with man of steel and it was a little bit darker for especially for a superman story uh they were kind of going with the nolan route with a more serious and kind of darker tone. And I think the one thing that people uh, miss when they go back and revisit Zack Snyder's uh, man of steel and and even going on through Batman V Superman into justice league is that like, and, and this was a, a a criticism I saw of Batman, but one we liked about with the Batman, it wasn't Superman being Superman yet. It was the beginning of his journey and everything like that. So, you know, you go and you look at that film, it's darker tones. Fans really liked it. Critics didn't like it as much, but I think Marvel got a little bit worried that fans moving forward after Avengers weren't going to want kind of the tongue in cheek humor, wanted a little bit darker storylines and wanted to get a little bit more serious, which kind of do a little bit with Iron Man three Definitely try to do it with Thor and it doesn't work. It works yeah. really well with Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that was the miscalculation here. There was also the kind of director shakeup because Patty Jenkins was originally supposed to direct. And then she left due to creative differences. And then uh, even Natalie Portman was threatening to leave. But Marvel was like, you got a contract. So can't quite yeah. do that. Um and so I think that the, a lot of that um, shift in style and story that they were telling in the first Thor movie got subverted a little bit to try to be like, oh, well, we want to we want to win some of those fans that really liked Man of Steel rather than staying in the niche. Because once you get to Thor Ragnarok or not, yeah, Thor Ragnarok, they kind of go yeah. back to that kind of fun, silly silliness that. Uh, well, I think we they also miss too that you can see Chris Hemsworth is a really funny comedic yeah. actor. Like he yeah. can really pull it off, and Thor is just that. Just fits that character better. It's right. like when you try to take Thor too seriously, it just doesn't really work for whatever reason. I mean, maybe maybe somebody out there in you know Cyberland has found something that a serious Thor that works, but. I've not come across like a serious Thor that actually works. It just kind of kind of seems pretentious yeah. and kind of like it doesn't it just doesn't really well, really work for like me. And especially not well like in and beginning in uh, the beginning of the film when they have him brooding, you know, yeah, it just doesn't like, really fit. No, it just doesn't really fit his character and it doesn't it doesn't fit what they were doing. Right. Like this really is phase 2 really is like their awkward like 12 13 year old phase you know and you're going through that weird phase before you get into high school and like you know you're not really a kid you're not really old you know and this is like their awkward pubescent like trying to figure it out and it's like they they kind of have two awkwardish movies and then they really hit it out of the park with winter soldier so and then i would even uh go to say like even the new characters that they introduced throughout phase two uh those films uh like specifically i think guardians is part of that 
um, you know, they shine because they're they're new. Like they're we got to try to figure out how we're going to establish new characters such as this and see how they take going forward. Uh, I I know one of the things that really kind of stuck oddly with me, and it and it continues to stick with me even going all the way through Endgame. Well, one, they talk about the stones kind of uh, being created by individuals, right? Like that's that's part of the book because uh, like uh, Malekith creates the ether um, and and stuff like that, and so like obviously they weren't at that time like they didn't know infinity war was going to be there this sounds like a pun but i don't tend to be a pun but infinity war intended to be their end game <laughs> um and so you know it was like that okay we want to introduce these concepts to the audience so if they do start popping up here and there in other films they have some exposure to them i mm. also don't like the ether being liquid and being a stone like that's still the because we never get that resolution uh, in Infinity War on how it crystallizes unless like after the events of this film, that's what its remains were. So like, we yeah, don't, that's don't get that. one of the that effect. Like, I don't really care, honestly. The the confusing part, I think, would be like he created it. But then we get like to Infinity War and or even Guardians of the Galaxy and, and the collector is right. saying like six you know, it's, what did he call him? In, singularities. In singularities, yeah. I, I think that's, I don't know, I guess I just kind of headcanon that as it's either um, he shall not, who shall not be named or whatever. Right. Um, he who remains, there we go. Sorry, I, I just finished watching <laughs> Harry Potter stuff. Uh, he who remains, like, playing with things, or I feel like it kind of just, I headcanon it as showing that Asgard isn't, all that it thinks it is right yeah you they can, don't know what you they can think easily is. chalk it up to just it's legend it's it's stories that were passed mm -hmm. down um another thing that i don't really like about this film uh there's two other major factors i want to hit on about what i don't like about this movie is the uh inconsistent tone so yes they want to go dark literally with <laughs> thor but then it is constant humor and banter from the first film and from Avengers and from what we expect from a Marvel film that the two don't really gel well together. The one thing I can say, like uh, I think we talked about it in the Batman review, there were comedic moments, but it was the moments themselves. It wasn't characters necessarily trying to be funny. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and uh, whereas in this, you know, like when you have uh, the, the kiss scene and like they pop up and they're like, Oh, Eric, Selvig, Baba. And then Mew Mew, you know, it, it's, it's <laughs> like, it, it just doesn't fit. Like it's a cute scene. It's funny, but it doesn't fit with this overly dark tone. You're trying to go for And also getting the director of game of Thrones, because you thought just because game of Thrones is really good. He was going to do a really good Thor movie. He also did a really bad Terminator movie. So I would say Alan Taylor, you might want to just stick to, tv shows tv <laughs> um but yeah there uh the other thing um being let's see if oh the the dark elves in of themselves because at this time this was right around the time that uh disney acquired lucasfilm and we're getting the kind of gears moving on what they were going to do for disney star wars and this movie to me really felt 
they were trying. That they, this was, we'll test some things to make it look like Star Wars. Because then you've got the flying Viking ships, they're shooting lasers, stuff that we, you know, weren't really given within that the we first did, film. Yeah, we didn't see reference for in, Thor, in the first Thor. Yeah, And the Dark Elves being this kind of very scientific race is counterculture to what they are presented in the comics. Cause in the comics they're, they're elves. They're like fantasy elves. And in this, it's just like, Oh no, they just want to bring darkness. Like they really just, this is probably the most one note villain with zero motivation. Yeah. Some character development that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and it just, and you get Christopher Eccleston in there and you waste him. You waste him in the role. And, oh, well, Malekith has a part white face and a part dark face. Well, how about we make the dark face when he gets electrocuted by Thor's hammer? Ooh, there we got it. We got <laughs> it, guys. See what we did there? It just, it's a its a lot of cheap. It's a big departure from the comics. And, and I guess what makes me even angrier is seeing how now, in 2022, they're really trying to embrace source material. They're really trying to actually adapt them as faithful as they can to the comics. And I get why they went the way they went back then, but I think it makes me further disappointed seeing the course correction they're making, giving Scarlet Witch her, her actual costume and, uh, you know, sticking to what we'll see with Moon Knight coming out and Hawkeye being, a great adaptation of his comic character. Uh, so it's like, it's not the, I'm ang I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed type <laughs> of feeling with this film. Uh, I know part of the reason we had such a delay in getting this video out was like, I just, I don't really want to watch it. <laughs> and I can even say like Captain Marvel is probably my least favorite out of the ent entire MCU story wise and, and character wise and all that stuff but I'd rather watch Captain Marvel more than I want to watch Thor Dark World. It's just because I think it just left that bad taste back in the theaters when it came out. Um, I Well, one thing that they do continue to do well in this part of the Thor franchise is, you know, with mixing kind of actual Norse mythology is um, when Loki is in chains in front of Odin. Um, if you notice, if you pause it or you know, get a good screenshot. Um, the little chains are little snakes and they're mm. biting into the tail. So of course that's part of the mythology where Loki was uh, trapped with the snake that was dripping venom on right. his head and, and things like that. But they have little details like that, that I like because, you know, of course when you're putting yourself, I'm in the MCU, right. And you think, Oh, this is kind of how earthlings are interpreting these stories that this aliens, you know, of course we don't know they're aliens. We're, talking like they're gods or whatever, right. you know, and, and they're telling, oh, and blah, 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 and the snake, and it's dropping, you know, and what it actually is is, like, chains, but maybe they didn't understand that, and they took it as, like, you know, something else. I, I just like those little things that kind of reference that, like, oh, this is how they kind of interpreted, you know, and, and a primitive culture misunderstood and made it out to be this, and this is what it actually was, you know, sort of a thing. Well, and that's and that's some of the things that I do like about this movie are there mm -hmm. are little things in it. Uh, in fact, yeah. this is the first if if you really pay attention, this is the first introduction of even the concept of a multiverse. And if you're 
If you blink, you will miss it. If you're not looking for it, you'll miss it. Selvig in the, um, for lack of a better term, the loony bin, and he's giving <laughs> with, his little with speech. a Stanley cameo. Yeah, with cameo a, with Stanley in there. Can I have my shoe, please? Um, on the board, he's got all of his ramblings, and you have Marvel six one six referring to the actual comic universe. Uh, and kind of his little ramblings about what he has seen through the eyes of the Mind Stone and how that's impacted him and, and fractured his mind in this moment. We also get a, an introduction to the Nine Realms a little bit more. Very poorly, but <laughs> it is kind of also interesting at the same time. Uh, again, like, kind of, I, I don't want to beat this movie down with a stick but like also the warriors three kind of get the shaft again mm -hmm. uh, honestly in all three well except for the first film the warriors three get the shaft for the rest of the franchise especially they, in ragnarok yeah they really do <laughs> um and in fact this is the last time we see sif uh outside much, of loki yeah. or if if you want to include agents of shield uh you know yeah and, i think i think the fact that she did agents of shield at a time when the movie verse versus the TV verse was in a point of contention. Right. That kind of sealed the deal for her being able to come back to the movie verse. They were like, yeah, no. Right. Uh, so hopefully maybe we'll see her. I, th I, th I thought I heard that she's supposed to show up in love and thunder, but I, I can't confirm that right now. Um, but yeah, ultimately this, this movie is just kind of a jumble. It's, it's like they didn't really know what they wanted to do with it or what they wanted it to be or how they wanted it to continue Thor's story. I do... The character development they do do for Thor in this, I do like in the sense mm -hmm. of coming to terms between his relationship with Jane and his duty to Asgard and getting to the climax of the film and because all we saw in him in the first film was... I want to rule. I want to rule. I'll be the best king. And then realizing there's a little bit more to being a king. Then we get him to this film and he goes, I actually want Jane more than I want a throne. I want to live more amongst humans rather than the thing I've sought all my life. Um, so I really like that character development because it, it shows kind of that growth from that arrogant brash. Yeah. It was like, at least, at least shows that he, it gives him a little more than just like you said, the idiot from the right. first movie, basically. Cause yeah, if you listen to our review from the first movie, I was like, for me, that's basically, um, it's not Thor, it's Loki. Right, right. <laughs> because I was like, I, I could not connect with Thor on any other level when I watched that movie, except that, hey, Chris Hemsworth is hot. You know, like, that's that's literally it. Because he's his character is just a buffoon. He's right. an idiot, immature idiot. And there's nothing there for me. So when people are coming out of the theater and they're like, Thor, and he's so amazing. I'm like, is he, though? <laughs> you know, like, insert that. Is he, though? <laughs> like, so, like, here, at least, he's, like, an actual person. Right. That has, a, you know, at least a few onion layers, you know? <laughs> like. Yeah. It, it, it actually, that it does give him a little bit justice. Although I, I would argue going forward past this film, they get really inconsistent uh, with, with Thor's, him. Yeah, yeah. With his character development. Um, so there's, I mean, there's really good moments. There's really bad moments. I think like you, I agree. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is probably the shining moment. Even, 
even though I hate some of the humor in the film, I think one of the parts I always enjoy the most when I watch it is when they're taking the skiff <laughs> through the the like secret uh, pathway, secret tunnel, and, and like <laughs> Thor's like, tunnel. oh great, oh great, we're gonna die, and then pop through the other side, ta da, ta da. <laughs> um, so you know, it, there there are those shiny moments, and I I like the uh, oh if you betray him, I'll I'll kill you, and then after getting the warning for like the third time, he's like, uh, yeah, apparently there's going to be a there's going to be a line, yeah. Um, I also like that this film introduces kind of uh, a more shared feeling with the other movies, even with silly cameos in the sense of uh, Chris Evans uh, as Loki, Captain America type thing. Like that was yeah. something didn't quite expect it's kind of the first outside of avengers where we've seen another big league character kind of show up for for a bit um which i think kind of paved the way for spider-man homecoming uh for tony to uh you know be a big part of that film and, and give us things like civil war um so it was kind of really nice that that's what some of the stuff the film does really well i think the performances are fine um you know, I really, I, I kind of really like the uh, the exchange between Jane and Loki. Uh, you know, she smacks him, and she's like, "That's for New York," and he's like, "I like her." Yeah. You know, there, there, there are some shining moments. So don't let my overall negativity yeah. of what I don't like about this film—poor, poor story, poor villain—and I think had it had an interesting villain, if they had a more complex Malekith. Yeah, well, that's the part where I feel like it's so disjointed yeah. because when you skip back and forth between we're all in Asgard and doing Asgardian realm things and then we come back to Earth and we're doing, you know, the gravitational force, like the science part of it, it, it just doesn't feel like it connects so much for me. Right. And that's where I feel like they had a good idea. It wasn't a crap idea to be like, oh, and Jane stumbles upon blah, blah, blah. You know, like all of that, I feel like works. They just don't have the villain part to round it out. And I don't know, like I said, I don't I don't know the better solution to that. Should they have gone Dark Elves? Should they have tried to start to introduce, you know, somebody working for Thanos trying to get the stone? You know, maybe they should have gone that route and that right. could have connected to Guardians somehow. Like, I'm just not entirely sure what the better way to have done it would have been. But yeah, I mean, this was one of the movies when I first started like doing my collection of the DVDs and, and Blu-rays and stuff. I was like, do I need this one? <laughs> and then I thought, well, t on the technicality of that, it does have an infinity stone in it. I will purchase it <laughs> so and add it to the collection. You're better than myself as even if I think it's shit, I'll still buy it like uh, Eternals, which isn't complete shit. It's just long, boring and feels like it has no impact and, and introducing far too many characters. Uh, but that'll be for when we get way down when the road. We, yeah, when we get um, down the line. But yeah, I think I'm one who will, who will, hell, I'm still buying the Doctor Who's, even though that's been complete garbage. <laughs> um, so it, it, I think it's always like, I, it's part of the completionist in me that's like, I may not be have a completionist in video games, but when it comes to like films and franchises, I kind of need to have them all. Because uh, like, if I want to watch them in a series like we're like we're currently doing, and if I don't have access to them, might have access to all twenty. <laughs> How are you going to what, finish it? <laughs> yeah, twenty five of the films of twenty six films. Well, that one film will will prevent me from being able to complete that. Um, 
But yeah, I was he, just pulling up the rest of Phase Two just to see what we have left. We should have next should be Winter Winter Soldier, Soldier and then Guardians, Age of Ultron, and then Ant Man to finish right. out Phase Two. Right. So I don't feel like Phase Two is a total loss. Oh, absolutely I, I feel not. like. I feel I feel like Iron Man three and of course this one that we're talking about Dark World were kind of like the awkward phase. They hit something really well, you know, with Winter Soldier and Guardians was really popular, even amongst like normies who are not way into it. If you kind of like they've seen Marvel movies, a lot of them will be like, oh yeah, I really liked Guardians, and I think a lot of that does also have to do with the music in Guardians as well. Um, and then we get. We get, you know, maybe a little iffy on Age of Ultron, you know, we'll see. And then we do Ant-Man. So right. it's kind of like, Phase 2 is not terrible. You kind of just got to get over the hump. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's kind of going Dark back. Dark World's a pretty big hump. Oh, yes, it is. And that's kind of getting back to what I, what I was saying. Uh, like, with when, it, when it's introducing the new characters, like Guardians, which was one I remember uh, being a little bit worried about. Because it's like, these are a lot of characters. I don't know them as well. I was reading kind of as Marvel tends to do, and even DC does this, when they're about to release a new movie, they launch a new line to kind of get everyone up to speed to give you the idea of who the characters are. Um, but they did a really good job with Guardians, and I think a lot of that is is uh, James Gunn and, uh, and his idea for what he wanted to do with Guardians. And Ant-Man kind of being the one where like people really wanted it, Edgar Wright was behind it. Edgar Wright was responsible for it. Then Edgar Edgar Wright left it, and and Adam Payton took over. I believe that's the that's the director's name. Um, the one who he ended up doing, he's done some uh, Honey I Shrunk the Kids stuff. But uh, he uh, he ended up doing a pretty good job with Ant Man as well. So when it's introducing the new characters, I think Phase Two really shines in those aspects. Uh, but where some of these characters, like, because if you look at Iron Man 3, Iron Man 3 is kind of the cap for the Iron Man films, not including Endgame and Infinity War, because that's mm -hmm. in of its own but, self, it's finale. But right. um, Thor and Cap are going into their second films, so they don't know exactly where they want to take their stories outside of knowing, okay, we want to do a political thriller with Cap. We got the Russos. Yes, the guys who are responsible for community. And you would never expect the guys who do community to do fantastic Marvel films. Uh, but I think that's also part of their strength as well. Um, and so you just don't really know what to do with these characters. Now you've got them. Now they're in the world. Avengers is over, you know, for the time being until we get to Age of Ultron. How do we advance these character stories? Because it's almost like a... You know, as much as we give credit to Feige for planning, it's almost like they didn't expect Avengers to work, like to, to be as successful as it was. So when you get there and you're like, oh, shit, it did really well. <laughs> we what can do keep we going. Do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and then I think that's where you see that uptick in planning and interconnected storylines leading to the uh, the Disney Plus shows and stuff like once avengers really took off feige's like i need to plan for the next 10 years yeah. so i think that's why you see that kind of inconsistency and why we talk about phase two being that awkward teenager phase uh because it wasn't exactly like a plan to move forward avengers was the end game that's all they kind of planned to do and 
it's been a, an amazing franchise and run ever since. Much like if you go back to the original Iron Man, um, the Nick Fury thing was purely a John Favreau inside joke, right? Like it was, hey, I want to throw this in there. I know we're not ever going to do anything with this, but I think the audience will love it. And oh yes, we yeah, loved it. That's right. <laughs> it was like it was like oh shit, we didn't know this was what was going to happen. So we're like okay. We got the easy timeline. We introduced Thor. We introduced Cap. Uh, we introduced a couple other side characters in these movies. We're good. And mm-hmm. now, oh no, we got to continue. We can't just let this train stop this early on. So, um, well, yeah, and especially Disney's not going to let that happen. Especially I mean, now, right? When you when you get into that planning room with Disney, you know, and going like, we can do Avengers Campus in in mm-hmm. California, and you know, we can have these TV series, and you know, you're planning for this Disney plus like down the road, like, cause I'm sure they had Disney plus like planned like years before it actually oh, like yeah, sure. it came to fruition. So when you're in the planning room of like, here's a steady stream of money thing that we can keep going. Like, Oh yeah. They were like, Oh yeah, let's, let's go until it's so saturated. People just don't want these movies anymore. And, and quite frankly, cause I know there is some superhero fatigue out there. Um, I think I think as long as you keep doing interesting movies like the Batman, interesting character, stories. interesting character stories, uh, like, like the Batman, I think like what we're going to get with Moon Knight, what we've gotten for the most part for the Disney plus shows. Um, and as long as you're not, uh, um, it's one thing we harp on here is like, once you're not, as long as you're not trying to push any personal agendas, you're just trying to tell an interesting, good story, regardless on if they're superheroes or not. I think people are going to go to your movie. Uh, one of one of the things, not to keep harping on the Batman, but one of the things we we both really liked about the Batman was the crime mystery aspect of it. it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. about Batman himself, but it yeah. was that it was that central mystery to the story of the film that kept us glued to our seats. Um, unfortunately, with Thor: Dark World. There's not much there to keep you glued to your seat, but well, the, one of the biggest problems with like when you're a writer and plotting this out and, and you're like trying to do like we were talking about development for Thor, you get to the part where he's like, yeah, we're going to have Malekith pull the ether out of Jane and then I'm going to shock it and destroy it. Like he's an idiot again. Like well, really, yeah. really like your dad, you know, Odin doesn't know how to destroy it. You've got access to those fancy schmancy books <laughs> and they obviously hit it because they couldn't destroy it and you think you're just gonna shock it with some lightning and ta-da well like, but to be fair malika thought that it was destroyed well it i mean it, it immediately like rose back up out of the ground i mean i don't know it just kind of seems like one of those like really thor you thought that that was the plan like well, I, I think that would have been an ideal moment to have Loki give him a little bit of a jab to be like, haha. But again, talking talking about some of the highlights of the movie, the the betrayal scene is actually really well done because I remember when seeing it in theaters, I believed he actually betrayed him. Yeah, like I you think know. everybody, every single reviewer I've seen who's never seen it before is is like what the you know yeah. <laughs> he's betrayed him again and I thought we just got to this point and then when it turns around and he's actually helping they you know they all do like the gym look at the camera like <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah it's and it's the start of the kind of the turn for Loki's character in general uh this is what we were talking about when we talked in our our Loki franchise review where a lot of people were 
uh, criticizing for kind of the three steps back Loki took and why he's acting kind of the way he's acting at the beginning of the Loki series. And this is what we're talking about with everything that happens post Avengers really mm-hmm. helps Loki grow as a character. So when yes. you see him in Thor Ragnarok, or not Thor Ragnarok, but rather die in infinity war. And you know, he was kind of honorable at that point. That's because of the events of this film and the trust actually Thor put in him also dealing with Frigga's death. Mm-hmm. But when we get to Loki, the show, you don't have that development. You have a yeah, character he's who's directly from Avengers. Right. You have that character at the base. Never had to to pay for the crimes that he caused. Uh, didn't have to deal with Frigga's death. So then, when you has it all thrown in front of him by uh, uh, Mobius, uh, that's when you start seeing kind of a different Loki. Then, and you see him kind of adjust quickly to this new dynamic he has. So uh, that's, that's if you go back and you listen to his reviews and, you know, if you think we were crazy when we said it, this is what we're talking about. These, yeah. these are the shining moments, of course, in the pile of crap that is Thor dark world. Uh, but, you know, overall uh, there's not much else I can say about the film. Visually, it's still good looking. Um, mm-hmm. the, the like co- the sets, the costumes yeah. are all still beautiful. Some of the CGI is a little iffy or now more with the cursed uh, in general. Cause like they, they went way too hard to try to make him look like some big kind of crazy beast. And so I, I don't know. Uh, demonic is, is the only term I can think of when it was just like, yeah, you could have probably done it a little bit better with some practical effects. And, um, like when he's, when he is looking practical, he looks fine. But when you have him in the CGI moments, he doesn't look as good. And then you, again, my mind kind of jumping to what we see now and Thanos looking like you could reach out and touch him. He's actually standing there, you know, type yeah. of thing. But, um, also it's before they amass this kind of big amount of wealth because everyone is, is buying into the franchise. Um, you, you do get great performances from Kat Dennings and, um, uh, Stellan Skarsgård again, like they're, they're fantastic. I, I do like mm-hmm. the, uh, the intern intern, uh, all, all, <laughs> although he kind of really doesn't play much of a part in the film and I'm still uh, sitting he there thinking, disappears. I'm still sitting there thinking, why would you throw the keys? Yeah, like, dumb. <laughs> right. I mean, it works out, but, like, of It's a plot device. Thing, it's a right. clear plot device. Yeah, but, like, of all the things, like, because that's why I like Darcy's, like, thing of, give me your shoe. Give me your shoe. Yeah. I'm not going to use my shoe. I'm going to use your shoe. But I also, uh, let's get on a little another side tangent here. Um, what I love also about going back and seeing Darcy here versus knowing where I see her end up in WandaVision. I love that she went from an intern who had no background in science, didn't have any knowledge of it. She was a political science major, right? And to see her actually grow and develop and learn things from her time with Jane and Selvig to actually become a physicist later Mm -hmm. on down the road I love that. I think that yeah. that's fantastic. You want to talk about strong female characters or interesting female characters. That's one of them. Uh, and, and I mean, and quite frankly, we went through a very long gap of time. We just never saw her again. 
So yeah. it makes, you know, her resurgence in WandaVision and hopefully in the future uh, that more exciting to see she did go on her own journey. Like they didn't just be like, yep, she flunked out of college or whatever. or <laughs> She stopped following Jane around. No, she actually learned and, and she became better for it. Um, but yeah, this one, I know it's all over the place, but that's how this movie makes me feel like it. Cause it in of itself is all over the place. It's inconsistent yeah. in tone, inconsistent in style, inconsistent with some characters. Uh, it, it just is that kind of awkward film that probably will not revisit for another few years unless <laughs> I absolutely have to. I, I don't know if you have anything else you want to hit on about the film. I, you know, I just trying to go through it in my head and I mean, I feel like that's all that there really is to this one. It's kind of like, if you want to be completist, you need to watch it. You know, if you're going in order and things like that, but I mean, it doesn't really do anything. Like it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't, it barely does anything for Thor's character. Like it just barely passes right. that mark. It does almost nothing for the MCU as a whole, except for introducing the ether. And for me, it's just a continuation of Tom's character study of Loki. <laughs> that's well, really what the first two Thor movies are for me. They're Tom's character study in Loki. And that's pretty much the only reason I watch them. Uh, I did. I, I want, I, I meant to hit on this earlier because you, you said an interesting thing. And I think that it would have made the post credit scene that much more, um, I think impactful you were talking about how they could have done this better, how, what type of story that they could have done uh, better and maybe having someone come to Asgard for the Tesseract. Um, and that or for maybe, the ether. Well, or, or, or for the ether or for both even um, because when you get to that post credit scene and you have uh Volstag and Sif uh, delivering the ether to the collector and they go, you know, eh, we thought it was better to not have two Infinity Stones together on Asgard. Um, so we'll leave, our, our, you know, this one in the care of, of yourself, which, of course, you know, it's the collector. He's going to probably try to come for the, he wants know, them all. for the other one. But, like, what if you had made the collector the actual villain? And he orchestrated this, right? Like, he uh, managed to get direct jane to the portal where the ether is and get well, involved what if what if even jane's whole part of it was just an accident and they were trying to pull a heist to get the tesseract and find out oh hey we can just nab her you know right and, and go that way somehow like right. i just feel like somehow the villain part just is where it really is really weak and it's not for lack of actors it's just for lack of writing part right Right. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so if you, if you, if the big reveal is the collector was the one who orchestrated it, he managed to, to get Jane to somehow find the ether and that knowing that that would wake up Malekith and start a battle on Asgard with the intent of maybe, uh, with the intent of the, well, the Asgards will come to me because of my, you know, whatever I do. I, I, I also think that that would have actually helped his character in guardians a little bit. Cause he is kind of wasted in guardians to an extent, <laughs> but like that would have made it more interesting, right? That, that even our villain, our one note villain in the film was not the true mastermind behind, behind the events. Like I, I think that, cause then that makes that kind of sinister scene of where, where he goes, 
one down and like what five to go it's like okay what's your motivation and then when we see him in guardians he's just like nah i just want to collect them like yeah i mean he i get that that's his point but yeah his his line there seems a lot more threatening than he appears in guardians right so like i think if you had reworked or restructured your story to have him be more malicious or malevolent uh i think that that would have at least maybe scored it up a little bit more in in the points fields for me um, but if we got nothing else to say, I think we'll just go ahead and kind of move yeah. into scores. Look forward to Winter Soldier. <laughs> oh yeah, Winter Soldier. God, that'll probably be like an hour and a half conversation because it could go <laughs> on and on about Winter Soldier. Uh, so for me, I think this one. Uh, God, this is gonna be harsh, but I think a two and a half uh, out of five, honestly. There are some really enjoyable moments. The comedy's fine, but it's it just doesn't fit well with the tone they're trying for. I don't like the brightness of the first film and all the colors and, and fantasy of the first film are all taken away in, in, in this one. It just It's so jarring to go from Thor to Thor Dark World with how the characters look, with how Asgard looks. With all of a sudden they're scientific and and shooting lasers, you know, pew pew pew. When when they weren't really doing <laughs> it before, um, and, and like you said, not really much Thor development. More again, much like our criticism, a little bit of Thor one was it's lo- it's more of a Loki development film than it is Thor. Uh, and yeah, just I, all I can say is I'm glad they got it right with Ragnarok. Yeah. So. That's that's I, my uh I'm debating. I don't know if I want to go to two and a half or leave it at three. I just don't I don't know. Because I'm now I'm trying to think in my mind, is there one that I feel like is worse? <laughs> yes. Do I want to rate lower, you know, than this one? Yes. <laughs> at least I know I do. Let I I wanna go two point seven five because I okay. don't really feel like it deserves a three. Screw but the I, system I'm not, up a little bit, but okay, I'll well, allow you know, it. I, I I don't feel like it needs to go to a half. Like I don't know. I because because of all the parts that I do like about it. Right. You know, it's like there's plenty there that I still do enjoy. So it's not it's not a total waste. Because I feel like if I want to go down to like a two or a one, it's gotta be real bad. Okay. Like, you know, and there's this is like I'd still watch it. You know, I still like watching Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's it's okay. It's it's not that bad yet for me. So I'll allow it this time. <laughs> Whatever. Like you're in charge of the scores. That's right. I'm in charge. <laughs> I dictate your scores. This is not what I sent you via email. This is not <laughs> what I told you to score this film. I control it all. It's all like me. I would obey. Right. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I think that's going to do it for this installment of our MCU franchise review. Uh, so we'll look forward to getting the next one in. Um, as always, you know, like, share, subscribe, uh, you know, to our YouTube or to the audio only versions of the podcast. If you don't want to see our faces, um, <laughs> you know, you can find them on iTunes, Podbean, SoundCloud. <laughs> We also have Patreon, and thankfully, since the Netflix shows have moved over to Disney+, Plus, for sure, we can continue on with our Daredevil uh, review over on our Patreon-exclusive stuff. Yeah, we, we gotta record, like, a few of those or yeah, something. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta like... there's gonna be a day where we're just gonna have to spend all day doing it. Um, yeah. And then we can just drip release them, because Vimeo, I've got the basic Vimeo plan. Um, 
but uh, yeah, as always, uh, if you want to write into the podcast, you can write into us at criticsnotsanks at gmail.com, or even better, just leave us here a comment on our YouTube, uh, and we'll we'll talk about what your thoughts are. What did you think of Thor uh, Dark World? Did you actually like it? Are we wrong? I mean, hey, I like to hear other people's thoughts. I, I never want to, con- you know, never consider someone else's thoughts on the film. Maybe you thought it was a better character study of Thor. Maybe you thought Malekith was a more developed villain. Tell us how, and and we'll talk about it, because I like talking about movies. So, um, all right, folks. Well, we will talk to you next time.